Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining us today, he's the CEO of Relentless Coaching, speaker and author. It's Eduardo Gomez del Casal. How are you doing today, Eduardo? Alex, thank you so much for having me here, man. Like you said it perfectly. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Let's do it. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. All right, perfect. So uh, I am from a city in the north of Spain. It's called Logroño. And um, currently uh, living here in the in the U.S. That That's exactly where I'm from. What are the things that you enjoyed about living in Spain? Is there something that maybe people don't know that's like a secret or a hidden thing? I mean, what I miss the most is my culture. You know, I think the what what what's the best is the family, friends, and food. That's what I miss the most. You know, uh, Spain is full of culture. It's a total different culture compared to the U.S. Uh, starting, you know, from the places that you're gonna see, it, it has a lot of culture in terms of history and also uh, the food, you know, it comes with tradition, you know, from centuries, you know, back, back, back then. Yeah. You talked about family, friends, and food are three big things that come from your time growing up. And that's a huge thing. And now a lot of people is in everywhere across the world. What's something food wise that was special to you? Was it cooking with your family? Was it enjoying the sit down meals and, and just enjoying the time with each other? So sometimes, uh, I mean, this is, this is why I tell everybody my hardest day of the week is Sundays mm-hmm. because Sundays is family day where all my family gets together and not just my family, my brother, my sister, mom and dad, everybody, uncles, cousins, grandparents, both sides of the family, we sit down at the same table and we celebrate. We celebrate being together. We celebrate, you know, uh, enjoying life. And not only that, but uh, enjoying like, you know, the, the meals that people people cooks, you know. So that's probably what I miss the most, 100%. Growing up, what were the activities that you enjoyed doing? Did you kind of find a passion that ended up going long term? Or were you someone that kind of got into the mix of different things? Um. I think the passion, something that I love is cooking with my parents. You know, something that I miss the most, you know, like being able to learn from them. Uh, you know, that's, you you create that love, you know, that connection with them in the kitchen, you know, and that's something that here when I cook, I don't have, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why it's so special for me, the holidays in the U.S., Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, because when I'm invited to people's houses to spend it with them, which is amazing, by the way, I get to do that with the host family, you know, and I love it. It's truly amazing. I know for me growing up, going to family's house and cooking has been such a huge part of my life. And now I'm do- the one that my family comes over to my house and I'm the one cooking because my mom will hate me for saying this, but I... She wasn't a chef, but she knows that. But when she comes over and sees me cooking for her, she just feels the reward from that. Like she just enjoys eating whatever I make because I feel like I'm a Food Network chef in my own eyes. So I just love that you food is such a big passion for you and you get to enjoy that with your host families that you go to because it just shows that 
you can bring that connection anywhere you go. And I feel that's so important nowadays that those host families are treating you as your own, like they're you're part of their family. I think that food uh, means a lot, actually. You know, uh, first of all, I'm a religious person. So I thank God to put food on my plate. There's a lot of people that don't have that. Second of all, that's something that is earned through labor, through effort, through hard work. If you don't do any of those, you don't have food on your plate. You know, third is something that everybody loves, food. You know, I don't know anybody that that dislikes food. (laughs) So, you know, like being able to enjoy that with people and knowing that they are again being happy because they're eating. Yeah. It's such an amazing, such an amazing feeling. Not only that, you know, uh, also being able to share experiences, cultures, traditions, you know, like, oh, my mom used to cook this. Or oh, I learned this from, I don't know, like this, this state, you know, this family taught me this. When I was in college, I learned how to, you know, like history, you know, and that's what I love. That's why, number one, I always eat at home. I don't really like to go out because going out, you don't have those experiences, mm-hmm. you know. So when I hang out with friends, before, like if anybody says like, oh my gosh, I'm so lazy, I don't want to cook. I'm like, I'll cook, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but we're not getting, you know, like any fast food place. Like I'm gonna cook. We're gonna, I'm gonna teach you guys how to do it. You know, it's all good. So that, that that's how we run it, man. That's how we run it. Something that was a big part of your journey is basketball. How did you get into basketball, and what was so special about that sport for you? Oof, that's actually a great question, Alex. So I w- I born in a basketball family. You know, my, my dad played professional in Europe. My uncle played professional in Europe. And of course, at the age of four, you know, like a basketball was given to me. It wasn't even offered. It was literally given to me, you know. So one of the things that kept my drive was my dad. You know, like I wanted to hear from his mouth. I am proud of you. Mm-hmm. So I thought you know that if i will play i will follow his steps i will do all that you know it will help me you know to get there i'm proud of you for my dad which he did many times you know now that's how i started but what actually kept me going was my grandfather you know at the age of eight i was diagnosed with adhd it was bad really bad uh I think that was the first time I ever hit rock bottom in my life. Um, the medicines that I was taking uh, made me gain a lot of weight. It made me look very fat as a kid. As a consequence, I was bullied. Because I was bullied, I didn't want to be in school. Uh, so my grandpa took care of me. I didn't know that. Uh, I, I, I went on a Friday and I said bye to him. You know, bye, Grandpa. I'll see you Sunday. And that Sunday passed away. You know, Friday was the last time I ever saw him. Uh, he was taking care of me while battling cancer. And he never told me, you know, that's, to me, that's a story of love. So it actually traumatized me. You know, as a kid, losing your best friend, losing somebody that you love the most, it puts you down. How was I going to write, like, go up from there? You know, I got so mad um, that I actually, I used basketball as an outlet. I used basketball as my best friend, 
Nobody wanted to be my best friend. I was fat, you know. So I would just spend hours, me, the basketball, the hoop. You know, people would make a fun of me. And I would be like, it's all right. You know, I'm with the basketball. So that's what created the love. At the age of 15, wow, I'm starting to do good. You know, all these hours that I've been putting, they're good. Uh, the, after the age of 12, 13, I, got in, I grew up, you know, a bunch of inches. You know, I was tall. Um, I was strong. So everything started to pay, pay forward, you know, all the efforts that I put. So, and then after that, um, I had a really good years and I came to the U.S. to play basketball. So until I got injured and that set me for my second setback of my life, which <laughs> it was it was amazing if I tell you that, you know, people would think it's amazing. But yeah. Was the goal always to kind of follow in your dad's footstep or your family's footstep with being professional with basketball? Like usually a lot of students or co- athletes, they go to that college route, especially in the United States, because it's the way to kind of get looked at by professional leagues. But you yeah. mentioned how your family was in professionals in Europe. Was that always the end goal was to go to America and get into that professional level? Well, to be honest, every summer after the age of 15, I was training with professional coaches. Like, I remember, like, I would have just to ask my dad, my my uncle, hey, can you put me in front of a basketball coach? I want to see, I want to know what I have to improve, you know? And they would invite me to some practice and be like, hey, you need to improve your shooting range, you need to improve your dribble, you need to improve this, you know, like, it was very easy for me. To me, it was more of a statement of like, hey, I am me, I can live it on my own. That was number one, because I always depended on a lot of people for me to take care of myself because of what I went through. Number two, my dad is great, man. Like, he's my role model, my best friend. And I don't know why, but I never heard him proud of you from him I, I think that he didn't realize it and I I was seeking that so bad you know that I was like well if I make it by my own if I'm actually a good student if I play good basketball it will come you know and I thought it was gonna come from playing basketball but he actually told me I'm proud of you as soon as I got recognized as the student athlete of the year at the school yeah and that's the first time I will never forget. You know, like I invite him with me to the podium. We, I got the award. And that was the first time he ever told me I'm proud of you. Dude, like <laughs> I was crying. I was smiling with the, with the trophy like this, you know, and my tears were like going down my eye. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you feel that you gained a little more confidence? You talked about being bullied over time and basketball was kind of that coping mechanism that kind of felt you proud of yourself. When you came over to the States and played basketball, did you kind of feel more confident? Did that kind of change where you were getting along with other um, teammates or people at the school? You were kind of finding new friendships there. Yeah, basketball, um, I learned that here is a business, you know, you don't create business, you're out. You know, you're here to win. You don't lose. You know, because if you lose, the coach gets fired. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not a good news. So your objective is to win, no matter what. 
So uh, I learned that very quickly. You know, I actually learned that my first practice, you know, like I remember I was uh, 19 years old, 6'6", 180 pounds, you know. This senior, Javante, I remember, you know, he comes, you know, like fast break, dribbles, and I'm actually standing one step behind, behind the free throw line. Man, like, I'm just standing there. He jumped over me and dank on my face. I fell, you know, and he looks at me and I was like, welcome to the U.S., rookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that ignited me. I was like, what the heck? And since, that, since then, I just put... Uh, every tool possible, you know, to to just work hard and make me a place here. You know, I started with basketball, kept going with my studies because when I grew up in Spain, I'm gonna be very honest, I wasn't disciplined enough. I was really bad with the studies. I passed, yeah, but very minimum. Why? I wanted to play always basketball. I didn't care. Sometimes I would just do an exam in ten minutes, so I could go to recess for fifty minutes and play basketball. You know, like. I will go home. I will not do any homework so I could be playing basketball outside, you know, or, you know, like I will just put like on the test, ABC, BBB, CCC, you know, you, you know how it works. Yeah. The thing is this, when I got to the US the first week, my coach calls me, hey, Eddie, good job. We like what we see. I love it. But we got your grades of your first test. I got a C, man. I was like, well, I passed, you know, like it's a Z. I mean, I guess. He yeah. looks at me, I was like, next time you get a C, I'm sending you back to your country. Oh. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't want athletes. I want student athletes. You know, like I'm actually going to help you be a good student. You know, like I, I want you to strive for excellence. So I was like, well, I don't know any English. I came to America with no idea of English. I was like, I, I, I need help, you know. And I'm telling you this. It, this was with his little Spanish knowledge, with my little like hello, help, blah, blah, knowledge, with the translator, you know. So he put me, he put me a lot of tutors around me. And since that day, actually, that was my only C in college. Like the rest, it was all A's. I graduated as a summa cum laude on all my majors, my master's degree. And a huge thanks is to him, you know, because I learned that in every aspect in life, no matter what you like, what you like, you have to give your best. Yeah. So that's, that's what made me the person I am today. 100%. What were you going for at college? What were you studying? Well, whew, I studied for kinesiology. That was the first thing that I wanted to do. And then I switched to physical education, you know, uh, because when I was overweight, the only teacher or one of the few that stood up for me was my PE teacher, you know. And also, like, going through that major, I knew that I could help kids that they were obese. Mm-hmm lose weight until I realized I was I was able to execute my discipline you know like be a teacher for a year and then I realized that actually you are not the students it's actually the parents so that's why I created real coaching right here <laughs> you know so to take care of parents you know so the parents can help you know they can't replace those bad, those bad habits with healthy habits they can lead from the front if you realize this a lot of kids that they are obese the parents are obese mm-hmm. you know and a lot of the parents that they get disciplined the kids are disciplined 
and that's the goal, you know, to create winners. And that's what I like to say that I do. I help people win. I help you become a better you. So it's kind of crazy when you look at everyone's path going to college and to see where they are today and where where you were going to college may not be the exact plan that you are now, but there's tips, there's skills, there's tools that you learned from that time and how you're able to utilize it today, even though if it's maybe in different areas or it's kind of different relating on what you're doing in that section of your career right now. But coaching a teacher is coaching students in a way. You're coaching in multiple different ways for your clients or the talent that you're working with. So it's kind of doing a full circle with what you had a passion for, but in your own version, you're creating that vision that you want with your um, your path that you're on right now. I truly want to help a million people before I actually reunite with God. You know, that's my goal. Uh, I went through demons, you know, on my first setback in life. My second setback, I tried to kill myself. Uh, I tried to commit suicide. It was thoughts that I would have never understand right now. You know, like, how did I get there? I mean, w- once I studied them, you know, I know how I got there. And through that, I would put uh, tools, you know, to help people. Mm-hmm. In nutrition, in fitness, in life, in mindset, family, God, self-belief, whatever it is, boom, right here. You know, and it's just, that's when I realized, you know, that two and a half years ago, when I hit rock bottom in life, like I have never been so down in my life ever. That's actually when I was like, I want to help people. You know, I want to live a life of giving. That's my calling. You know, a lot of people, they when they go to college, they want to be doctors, they want to be teachers, they want to be professional athletes. I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I got my calling at the age of 25. When I hit depression and I learned that I wanted to live a life of giving. You talked about all those different setbacks. And one of the things that in a rise of the challenge is how you overcome, but do you feel that a lot of those setbacks were kind of back to back from each other? You talked about the injury. Then you talked about depression. You went through a divorce. You had those thoughts of suicide. Do you feel that everything was putting on top of you that it got stressful for you? But you talked about how coaching and what you're doing now got you out of it. What was the hardest thing about going through those challenges? And do you think that people outside of your circle kind of saw that what you were going through? Excellent question, Alex. And I'm going to ex- expand on this one because I I really, I hope one person that needs to hear this is listening to this right now. I hit rock bottom in my life because uh, I went to play for a professional basketball. And I got injured. So my professional contract that was waiting for me in Europe, I couldn't fulfill it. Two, I lost the wife. Three, my cousin, my 10-year-old cousin passed away in a car accident. Number four, I got COVID for, four, for, 20, for 23 days. Number Day number 20, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I remember, I remember telling my dad, like, I don't know if I can go through the night. 
I had such a crazy pressure on my chest and I'm a healthy man, you know, that I didn't know if I was going to make it. You know, I went to bed, you know, praying to go like, hey, tell me. I don't even know. Like, I didn't even know where to find strength anymore. All that happened within two, three weeks, not even more. I lost my basketball, my professional identity. I lost my husband identity. My family was broken. And I was in the weakest part of my life physically, you know. And that's when I attempted for the first time. You know, I lost it. You know, I went to a doctor. I asked him, hey, look, this is what's going on. I'm having anxiety. I need help. You know, like he prescribed me with some medicine. And that day I was like, I feel so long. I'm going to overdose. First of all, stupid me. I'm so glad that these fingers worked. You know, I put them all the way in the back, threw up everything. And I went to I went to Spain. I went to talk to my family. I went to the funeral. It was super hard because when you live away and your family sees you after two years, mm-hmm. guess what happens? You know, when your family is so low, everybody comes to you looking for that happiness, like, hey. You're back, but they're so sad that they're bringing you down. But you have you try you you try to stay up, you know. Like hey, yes, it's okay. Everything is gonna go, and you try to put this facade, this face. Like hey, it's okay. I love you. You know, everything's gonna be okay. And all of a sudden, you keep going down, and nobody sees that you're going down because you're the happiness of everybody. You know, I went to psychologist. They helped me. You know, it was great. Some of the techniques that they taught me. Like, I loved it. I, I They were so great that I even put them on the programs. Right now, it's something I use to help people out of depression. And I come back to the U.S. to try to help um, uh, the relationship, to try to get my wife back. And the only thing that I got, it, it was humiliation. Man. It, it was so bad. I decided to leave uh, on April 5th. I sat route towards a different city. And for two months, for a month, a month and a half, two months, the only thing that I did was party for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and get drunk. That's it. You know, get drunk. I will wake up. I will feel ashamed. And after waking up, I will be like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do it again. And then in the evening, I'll be like, what else do I have to do? Mm-hmm. You know, let's go out. You know, let's find some girls. Let's get drunk, <laughs> you know. And I would, I would, I kept going into this hole and this hole and this hole. Uh, May twenty twenty one, I got diagnosed with depression. After a month within depression, um, I tried to commit suicide for the second time. I had everything ready. I called my dad. I called my mom. Mom, I love you. Dad, I love you. I'm proud of you. I hope everything is good. You know, like, do you remember this moment when we had so much fun? You know, it was great. I give them hints. I'm not telling them what I'm going to do, but I give them, I'm giving them hints. So when it happens, they can know that I was proud of them. They can know that I love them. They can know that I remember those good moments. All of a sudden, before hanging up the phone, my brother, my brother calls my mom and my mom yells. And I tell my dad, like, hey, is mom okay? Is my brother okay? What's going on? My mom comes to the kitchen. 
where I was talking with, with my dad, you know, on FaceTime. He's like, Eddie, you're going to be an uncle. I said, oh. what? Yeah. It still, it still hits me, you know, like, uh, hard, man. Hard. In that, that second, man, I put everything out. You know, I cried uh, a lot. My parents don't, don't know anything. They didn't know anything until last year. So for a whole year and a half, I didn't tell them I tried to commit suicide. I didn't tell them all the crazy things that I had in my head. I didn't tell them where I was living because for eight months, I live on a garage in a couch. I'm sorry, on a, on a, on a couch, on a, on, a, on a mattress, you know? So I have nowhere to sleep, you know? My parents, they were desperate with me. You know, my dad was like, why you didn't tell me? I was like, because I didn't want you to think that I was sad. Because that was my huge problem. I wanted everybody to be happy around me. I didn't want to be the reason why people are sad. So I put this facade. You know, people will call me and I will put a smiley face. Everything is okay. All is good. But on the inside, I was battling demons. That's why I always said depression doesn't have a face, man. You know, it comes to you and you better are ready, you know, to to know your people because you will never know, man. So, yes, my my circle didn't really know. No one knew until I opened up. And this happened at a conference that I was with with some uh, business owners. It was a huge conference. And one of my friends, he knew what I went through. And they were missing one speaker. I was like, Eddie, why don't you do it? And I look at him and I was like, he just threw me under the bus, literally. <laughs> and man, I told the story. People crying, man. People were crying. And at the end of the, the, the conference, they were like, dude, you have to do this more often. You don't even know the fire that you just created in me. You don't even know, like, I, like how many lives you're going to touch with this? You know, like I've been through this. I've been through that. And since then, you know, I've been doing it. It's hard. You know, like when I, when I speak about it, it brings me emotions. I have learned how to don't let those emotions take over me. But there is sometimes that if I say some words, man, I will be crying on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad I'm here. And this is why my time is right now. Yeah. You mentioned how depression doesn't have facial expressions, but a lot of time you never know what someone is going through. Like before we even talk to each other, I couldn't, wouldn't be able to say what you've gone through. But I think that's so powerful nowadays where people are able to be open and share because you never know who might get touched by something that that person says. They may not be able to connect fully with what that person's gone through, but there might be something similar or something that they can utilize to help their lives. And you've done that with just that first opportunity when you did that speaking gig where your friend threw you under the bus to get you up there on stage. But that was the starting point of something much bigger that you're doing and how you have been able to be so open. And that is very honorable and inspiring because there's so much more to that where there's a community out there. It shows that we're all here to help each other. It may be not very right on it, but 
you never know who's listening to our conversation and how much of an impact that's going to make for that individual. It's it is truly amazing, actually. You know, and I'm actually gonna put an example. I recorded a podcast on my own podcast channel, and this guy reached out to me. I spoke to him for two hours. Two hours, Alex. You know, it was my Sunday. I had so many things to do. I didn't care. That guy right now is changing so many lives because we had that conversation. I truly know, and he told me many times that if he didn't have that conversation with me, he would be gone right now. You know, he built his own empire. You know, he's helping people every single day. His objective is to help five people every single day. He goes out on the streets, you know, and he tells people, hey, man, my name is blah, blah. I do this for a living. I want to help you right now. You don't have to pay me. My goal is to help five people every day. Please let me help you. Man, five people. Do you know how powerful it is that? You know, I, if we keep doing this by the age of, you know, when I hit 40, man, he's going to be able to change thousands of lives. So man. That's his purpose. That's it, man. That's what it's all about. And I'll tell you this. If you didn't go through depression, you will go or you are going right now. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, every man, every woman is going to hit a setback. But let me tell you this. When you have a setback, don't take a step back. Get ready for the comeback. You know, a lot of people, when they have a setback, they get, they get all the way down. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's the next step. They're scared. Look at a setback as an, as an opportunity to get ready for a bigger comeback. Because the day that you understand that there is no such a thing as negativity in the world, that everything that happens to you actually is getting you ready for something better, that's the day that you start to win in life. It took me time. It took me a depression to learn this. But right now, I know there's no such a thing as negativity. Because everything that we think as negativity is just getting you ready for something better. Or something that you have to work on that you don't have. You know, or something that has to be improved. You know, and that's actually truly magic if you think about it, because there is no negativity. Everything is positive. Everything is good. And it's how it's supposed to be. A fun question. Is there a dream stage, a dream event that you one day hope to see yourself speaking at? Yes, man. There is two. There is two, actually. One, I want to do a TED Talk. You know, which I know that I'm going to do it. Number two, I would love to be on a stage with Tony Robbins and Ed Milet. 100%. Those two. You know, they are huge speakers, you know, huge mentors. It, I think it, it, it will be an honor for me, you know, to share a stage with them. And I'll tell you this, it'll happen. You know, there's a lot of things cooking on the microwave. And... <laughs> I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure it happens, you know? Uh, Yeah. But yeah, just work, man. Work, work, work. Someone that looks at your content that you create, you kind of like the gym, I will say. I love it. What's been your best part about the health and fitness journey that you've been on? Okay. So life starts by focusing on you. You have to focus on you. Without you, nothing happens around. All right? 
the people around you will not get anything from you if you are not at your best. Mm-hmm. So with a fitness and a nutrition, you can feel 100%. And that's what I realized. That's what got me out of depression, man. You know, focusing on me, focusing on my fitness journey, on a good nutrition, because nowadays a lot of nutrition comes with chemicals, you know, which alter your brain as well. And also a positive mindset. Yep. That's huge. What do I like about the the gym? Is that is that is that your question? Or yeah, what's been the best part about your health and fitness journey? What do you enjoy about being at the gym? Become the person I wanted to be. To be honest, the gym has, I don't go to the gym for looks. And that's what I tell everybody. I go to the gym. So when I stretch your hand, Alex, you can see that I work hard, mm-hmm. that I'm disciplined, you know, that I want it badly to be the first, you know, that I have that discipline, that consistency, the focus, the determination, persistence, you know, all those values, you know, and also one thing that is super important for me. I don't have one yet, but I want to make sure to lead my family from the front one day and make sure to protect them. And to me, that's huge. You know, a lot of people think that, hey, you post pictures on Instagram, you know, with a share off. Is that for shows? Not at all. You know, I want to show those values. You know, I want to show that it's possible to get there. Every caption that I put, or not most of them, I'll say, like 95% of them, it's not just a caption. They come with a meaning. It could be mindset. It could be tips. It could just be like something that gets people going. And that's the purpose. It has helped me go from rock bottom to build a business, you know, and helping people in 15 countries around the, around the world. You know, if I did that through a gym, a nutrition, anybody can do it. You know, now I tell you this, it's not that easy. You have to put in the work. Yeah. You know, a lot of work, a lot of work for two and a half years, you know, and it's a constant grind. But hey, I'm addicted to, to work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? what's better? <laughs> I always say working out for me has told me what challenges I can overcome. I mean, I live by this model, rise to the challenge every single day. And when I go to the gym, when I'm working out, when I'm trying to hit that goal, I'm going to rise to the challenge and hit it because I want to feel accomplished that I did the work. I worked hard with the sacrifices that I made and it prepares me to go out there and say, what else can I go do? What else can I do from a fitness aspect, from a business aspect, from a personal passion aspect? It gives me the confidence to do anything and no one can tell me that I can't do something. And like you mentioned, it's not something that you can just snap your fingers and it's going to happen. You have to put that dedication and you kind of have been through that. The dedication has been there because you are making your dreams a reality. Yep, I am, man. And it's just like 1% better every day. The motto of Renaissance Coaching is live the life you have imagined. Okay, infinite possibilities comes to those who believe, if you realize that. You know, and I think it's huge. If you just work 1% every day, no matter what happens, you're going to be able to achieve whatever you want. 
Something exciting you have in the works at the time of this interview is you're writing a book. What made Um, you want to write a book and what's the big mission or message you're hoping to share to a reader? Okay, so the book is something that I've always wanted to do, you know, write a book. And the reason is because my grandfather, the one who passed away, uh, he loved to read. He loved literature. Okay. So to me, that was like a tribute for him. You know, like, hey, your only grandchild uh, is going to write a book. All right. Then uh, it became a reality, you know, the, 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 this year, because I have been traveling the whole U.S. right now for 87 days. Okay. I'm on this journey on self-discovery, on meeting with clients, on helping people in every city. Literally, like the message is lifting cities across the U.S., <laughs> you know, every way possible. And I'm, I'm helping people. So when I got to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I got with my friend JC and he was like, Eddie, you have enough to write your own book. I hope you know that. I'm like, you should, everything that you're telling me, you should put into paper because it will reach people in other ways. It will help people, younger, adults. Not only that, you can actually later distribute it to high schools, to schools, to vet centers, you know, hospitals, whatever it needs to help people. Your story, your story is great. If you, you know, so that's what I did. You know, like um, I put the pieces together. I started writing it, and at first it was just for fun. You know, uh, l- let's put something out there to to help people. And then I talked to another friend. I was like, yeah, I'm writing a book. I made a post actually on Instagram. And this publisher texted me. I was like, hey, I heard you writing a book, man. Like, I'm actually interested in to, in, to pick up some, some books this year. Can you send me your first chapters? I was like, hey, I only have four chapters. I was like, you want me to send it to you? And I was like, yeah, yes, please do it. I was like, sure. Within hours, he was like, can I buy it? Like, I was like, what do you mean? Can I buy it? And I was like, I truly think this book is going to hit many lives. You know, like I actually want it. You know, I want to, I want to publish it for you. I want to give you the editors. I want to give you the covers. You know, I was like, well, can I, can I, can I wait? Can I think about it? I was like, yeah, I'll give you until Monday if you, if that's okay. You know, like I want to, I want to create a little bit of a scarcity for you. <laughs> I was like, sure. Uh, over the weekend, you know, I recorded a podcast. That podcast was released on a Sunday, okay? It was recorded on a Friday. I had three more publishers contacting me on that Monday. Still, to this day, I haven't given it to any publisher yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I know there is a lot of value on on that book. Uh, It's called The Relentless Pursuit, The Journey to Greatness. And in that book, basically every chapter... It helps you achieve greatness. It's through little values, through little, through stories, through exercises. If you actually do everything that puts in that book, you're gonna go from rock bottom all the way to the top. I can guarantee you that. You know, but it starts with chapter one, which is desire. Desire. Everything happens with desire. Without desire, nothing happens in life. You know. You will never, if you think about it, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, now that I'm in Chicago, (laughs) (laughs) he will not have 
won so many championships, you see, have desire. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Gates, Steve Cook, I'm sorry, Steve Jobs as well. You know, like all these celebrities, they would not have achieved desire if they didn't want, I'm, I'm sorry, their success if they have desire. So that book has a lot of meaning from the cover to the end. It has a meaning on the chapters, which is 10, which is my favorite number, the number that I play when I play basketball. It's been released January 5th, 2024. January 5th is the birthday of my grandfather who passed away. Dedicated to special people in my life that I cannot say yet because it's a surprise to them. Uh, it has so many surprises. It has so many details. And I know it's going to help so many people. But the difference between my book and other books I actually think that I'm not writing this book to make money. I'm writing this book to help people. And it comes from my heart, not from my mind. You know, like you will be surprised how many days I'm writing this book while I'm crying. You know, like literally like tearing down, you know, like I have like paper on my table to, you know, like to clear my my eyes, my nose. And I truly think that's where, where the value of this book is about, you know, like, I'm go. I'm getting so raw to make sure that those experiences that I had, no one else suffers them. You know, and that's the goal to me. Do you feel with the coaching that you do today and the book, people are really going to understand the emotions that you have when it comes to the passions that you have? Where a lot of times, with there's so many coaches out there that. A lot of people are picking that individual to work with because there's something about the qualities or something that they've gone through that they're able to connect. They just don't want to connect with someone because, oh, they have this following. Oh, because they worked with this person. Are you seeing that with the people that you work with is they're connecting you more on just face value. It's really what you've gone through, the experiences you have and the impact that you're wanting to achieve. Correct. I agree with what you're saying. People connect with me because of the person I am. And this is something that I've been told. Uh, I could care less about the followers that I have on social media, to be honest. Like, that's just a number to me. And I always said this. Every time that I make a post, if I, if it impacts one person, that's good. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it's my energy, man, to be honest, you know, uh, that energy, those calls, you know, the, the results also is what's getting people. Right now, I'm not running any marketing. I don't need it, you know, and it's because results are speaking by itself. Uh, and that's what it's all about. Also, I am a firm believer that your yeah, business is awesome. But I also know that if I keep doing the work, oh, God is going to keep putting that people that needs me in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really want, you know. I tell people, man, hey, look, and this is this goes on every discovery call that I have with people to start with a strategy session, you know, to see if it's a good fit for me, a good fit for them. I'm like, hey, yeah, so, you know, in this call, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to see if you're a good fit for me, if I'm a good fit for you. If we are perfect, we're going to continue. If we're not, don't worry, because I have other coaches, you know, that they do the same as me, and I'm going to make sure to send them to you. Like, this is not about, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I want to have more clients than this coach. It's actually helping my brothers that they're out there, you know, helping other people. There's not, like, to me, this is not like a competition, you know, like, to me, it's a competition to see how many people we can all help together, yep. you know. So I know coaches that they work very well as well, 
you know and i'm like hey you know like here i think it would fit better with you you know or hey look uh, he's having a thyroid problem you know i have knowledge on it i know how to help it but you went through a thyroid problem as well can you help them please because you'll be able to relate more with that you know what i'm saying so that's what it's all about it's all about helping people man changing lives one at a time you know one at a time alex that's all that's what it's all about man one at a time that's simple I love that you mentioned it's not a competition because I think that's so important nowadays because everyone wants to say, oh, I've worked with over a hundred people. Who cares? That's a hundred people you've helped and that become better and they're able to live their lives. So it's so awesome to hear that you've built a community of other coaches and you're there to help each other. And I think that's, it's kind of like with speakers. If someone specializes in something you want them to be the ones to help. You don't want to say, I'm going to help someone and I have no idea what they've gone through or they have a condition that I don't understand because they're not going to get the importance um, to learn from that. Or you're not going to be the best coach because you haven't experienced that. So that's amazing that that's just inspiring just hearing that you're there and your other coaches are there to help each other if they that client needs it. Because I think social media has just been so change has changed so much where negativity and stuff and behind the scenes, people are very valuable. You see the true identity and you really get to learn about more about the individual. Yeah. And I agree, you know, and social media also, you have to be careful because nothing is like social media. And I will be the first one to say it. And that's why I try to also talk about setbacks, you know, about things that they are not as perfect, you know, like, and that's what I actually resonate with a lot of people. And I don't know how long it's going to take me. And I know I'm already doing it, building my platform, building my community. And that's what I want people to get. Like, I don't want, I don't want to get people that they are only at the top. I want to get people that they're top, they're down, they're top, down, down, just like me. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that every day I feel like going to the gym? No. Do you think that every day I feel like, you know, I want to show up to work? I'm going to be honest. Days on days that I'm tired, that I'm depleted. I'm preparing for this competition right now. Days on days that I don't have the same motivation on Monday than on Friday, for example. You know, we're humans. It's okay to understand that. Now, you have to be able to recognize those feelings and then have a set of cope mechanisms to help you be ready. So imagine that today I, did, I woke up feeling like not, not being fired up. I already have this mechanism that I'm going to do. So I'm 100% fired up by the time I meet with people. I start with my meetings. I start with the podcast. I start with everything, you know? So I make sure that every day I, get, I keep getting better. I keep helping people and everything. But everything starts with learning how to recognize those behaviors, those feelings. What's the competition that you're working towards? What do you mean competition, Lois? You just mentioned about you're working towards a competition or you're yeah. preparing for a competition. What is that competition? This one is going to hit. So it's a bodybuilding competition. Uh, one of the dreams of my grandpa, my other grandpa, uh, my mom's dad, passed away when when I was in Vegas nine weeks ago. Oh. You know, I couldn't make it to the funeral. He actually asked me not to make it. And 
it was actually very dramatic. You know, like I got a call from my dad. He was like, hey, and I want to let you know that you're going to talk to your grandpa. It's going to be the last time. So please be ready. So I got on the phone. I was able to say bye to him. And one of his dreams was always for me to play professional in Europe. And while I was playing, he wanted to smoke his cigar, you know, on his chair. And that never happened, man. Uh, I was actually very sad that it didn't happen. So when he was on his hospital bed, I told him I was going to compete in this bodybuilding competition in April. I was going to get ready and I was going to win no matter what. I was going to win. And on a stage, when I win, I'm going to smoke a cigar. My first cigar ever. I've never smoked on his name. It's going to be. So that's that's the fire right now, man. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm, and I'm going to win no matter what. Just watch. Is it mm-hmm. like a like a natural competition or a natural physique bodybuilding? Natural physique. I don't do anything external. I don't I don't do TRT. I don't do roids. No, I, everything I do is a good nutrition, good diet, good sleep, good mobility, stretching, mindset. You know, like everything that God has provided me. <laughs> Was this something that you? kind of came well you talked about the reason you're doing this with bodybuilding sometimes there's those negative with how hard it takes on your body especially as you're doing the natural way do you see this as your own rise to the challenge with how hard you're going to have to work and your dedication to meet those goals where temptations are all around but you have that passion you have that mission to be the best version of yourself when that competition happens. They are. Temptations are they are there all the time. You know, but it's so worth it to know that no matter what comes to you, you're going to reject it because the end goal is bigger. Mm-hmm. I always said this. There's only one place for the first place. If you're not first, that means that you're second. And if you're second, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, and it's still when you are first, you have to keep doing the work because second comes to you. You know, um, I see this opportunity. I see it actually as an opportunity. I go out with friends to have dinner. They have dinner. I watch them have dinner. And I actually don't see it as a sacrifice or something bad. I actually see it as a mindset training for me. You okay. know, like I actually see it as, all right, you know, you eat. I got it. You know, like I'm going to wait. And to me, it's something that gives me strength, gives me confidence, gives me focus, you know, to be able to say no. You know, it's my boundary. It's my rule. It's my kingdom. You know, like I got this, you know, and that's something that has been, yes, a temptation. But I know that in April, as soon as I'm done with that competition, I already know what I'm going to eat. You know, I said, <laughs> so I'm going to be completely fine. <laughs> what is that meal you're going to be eating after that competition? Oh, hundred percent. I love Oreos with milk. I love oh. them. <laughs> so I will have probably a box of Oreos and I will enjoy them. You know, I am probably at the beach in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see all those videos of people after the competitions and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's I. I could just imagine the how rewarding that would feel after going through all that hard work. And then it's like the next day you're like, okay, what's the next competition? 
<laughs> well, think about this. You are, I'm going to, I'm going to get all the way down to 3% body fat. Oh, wow. I'm going to be dried out. Like right now, right now I am 7% body fat. Wow. You know? And I'm already feeling tired, you know, now 3% body fat. Then you have the day before competition. I mean, days before I said, you need to start with, you have to start to dry yourself. That means no water, you know, only ice cubes that you can have on your mouth, you know, to feel that feeling off, you know, sugars intakes, like everything counts. Every little thing counts, you know, that the week before competition is terrible, man. Terrible. Like I did a competition, uh, a year ago, uh, I didn't compete, but I got ready for it. Um, and I did the whole process just to feel how it feels, you know, to be able to coach people on that because I like to walk the talk, you know. I wanted to see what I put my clients through. So every program that I have, I have tested it. And it was crazy. The last week, like, I went to bed at 5 p.m., Wow. I was so tired. <laughs> like I couldn't even walk. It, it was a lot, man. So, but yeah, this, this, this competition, I'm going to win. There's, there's no other way, man. There's no other way. I'm putting hours into it of training, of mindset, of posing. Man, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time for me. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Number one, I will say, make sure that no matter what you're doing, it makes you happy. You know, number two, you have to realize that no matter what happens in life, you're always going to have setbacks. When the good times come, when the bad times are, there's always going to be a stagnant factor that are going to come to your life. But remember, a setback is an opportunity to get better. A setback is actually something getting you ready for something better. So don't look at it as something negative. Look at something that is going to help you raise in life, that is going to get you to a better place. You know, how to overcome obstacles. Make sure to create a vision, okay? Limitation begins where vision ends. And I'm going to repeat that. Limitation begins where vision ends. If you don't have a vision, you're going to start to feel so lost. And that's exactly what happened to me. Once you feel lost, you're going to spin around, you know, like a broken compass. Exactly how I did. Now, you have a vision. You sit down. You set some goals. When you have your goal set, set objectives. When you have objectives, set habits. And those habits are going to be based on your values, your standards, what you believe. And once you do that, then it's so easy to win. Because those, all you have to do is a non-negotiables every day, which means you don't go to bed without doing those habits. If you do everything, it's going to move you toward your goal. So by the end of the year, three months, six months, whatever you have, if you have the work, it's going to get you there. Now, if it doesn't get you, if you're not satisfied with how you, with what you got, that means that you have to do more work, mm-hmm. which is you have to elevate your standards. You have to elevate your values. You have to elevate your goals, your objectives, your, your everything, you know? So that's it, Alex. <laughs> 
Eduardo, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people, and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Hey, Alex, thank you so much. You know, this show is doing amazing things for people that need to rise. So thank you so much for inviting me. It's a true honor for me to be here, and I appreciate you. Any Anybody that needs help, please come my way, you know. I'll be able to to put you through different people that I know, anything. You know, we're here to help. Tune in next time. Hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.